Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Barry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. Welcome back. It's Monday, April 20th, but if you're in the audio feed, it's actually a week later. That's all good though. For us, it's April 20th and we're recording. Uh, the sun is shining, where I am anyways, and um, I'm just excited to get another week kicked off the podcast. We've got a fun topic today that Nathan actually audibled on, so I'm going to let him talk a little bit about the topic uh, of the day and uh, share how he's doing, and then I'll share how I'm doing, and then we'll get right into it. Sounds good. Yeah, so we, we had a topic. We actually, in preparation, we planned all five topics for this week last week. So then I decided, you know, with uh, seven minutes to go live, I was like, you know, let's do something totally different. Um, So today we're talking about making something that you're proud of. There's a lot of reasons to create. We've talked about many of them and we'll dive into that. But like, what if you just set that aside and like built something just purely because you wanted to exist in the world? So we're going to showcase a bunch of people who have done that, talk about the times that we've done it ourselves and I, I think it's going to be a good show. Um, as you're tuning in, I would love for you to drop things in the comments uh, and start thinking about the times that you've done that and uh, why you create what you create. As far as how I'm doing, I'm like yellow, I think. Green, yellow, somewhere in there. You mentioned the sun's shining. It is. The sun is shining. It's beautiful. Had a good weekend for the most part. Uh, except, so I worked on my tiny house, got it moved. It's very exciting. And it now has a view out into the field. That went well. I only broke a few things. I do this thing when woodworking where I'm really good about hearing protection and eye protection when I do woodworking. And sometimes I like do a really quick thing and I don't put eye protection on Mm. for just a second. And I got a metal shaving in my eye yesterday, like yesterday afternoon, and it just screwed up my whole day. It's better now. But like I legit tied a bandana around my head, like impromptu eye patch because it was like, this just hurts too much. And it was like, like 99 out of a hundred times in all the woodworking I did yesterday, I put eye protection on and uh, yeah, that was dumb. You got to do it a hundred out of a hundred. Yeah. Just takes one. <laughs> so that kind of ended my weekend. I'm like, it's 930. I'm going to bed, but otherwise it's good. I'm excited to have uh, both eyes functioning again today and. It's good. How about you? I'm glad you have both both eyes functioning too. <laughs> I feel like as a designer, um, that is somewhat important. Somewhat. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna like be honest. I think I'm yellow red today. Uh, I woke up good. Hung out with my son. Had a great weekend um, building a retaining wall in our front yard. Which I saw so the, the Instagram posts. Yeah, the yeah on my Instagram stories, I was sharing it. So the the builder put in. This, we are in a new construction house we moved into in January. The builder put in kind of like this sloping river rock at the edge of the yard, which is effective. It it allows the rainwater to run off, but not it protects the soil. But you know they were kind of like going out into the sidewalk sometimes, and it's you can't step up on it, and it was kind of a lazy way to do it. And I get it; it was cheap, but. I would really like to have the extra three or four feet of yard so I can plant more flowers and plants. Uh, So anyways, I ordered some, some Columbia river basalt is the rock that I ordered. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. 
and uh, built for that. those rock, rock hipsters. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, and I woke up, my body felt nice and sore, which to me is a good thing on Sunday and today, which I love. And then got to work and just like got right into just some like logistical stuff that is really annoying, um, annoying but important. And I think sometimes <laughs> those are the things that get at me the most is when it doesn't feel like I want it to be my priority, priority but it needs to be my priority. So that's how I'm coming in today. I'm like yellow red. <laughs> and uh, as always, immediately, just even saying the sky is blue, my plants are green, we're here on the podcast makes me feel better. So that's good. Well, let's uh, let's dive into the topic. So this is something, I don't know, I feel like as a creator, I can get really caught up in why we create something. Like I even just rattled off a bunch of reasons, right? I, I create things, I do it to make money. I do it to serve people. I do it to grow my network, to build fame because I just want something to exist. Like there's all these different reasons that you create something. And I think as we've been talking on this podcast, we've been tending to focus on a few of those, right? Grow your audience, make money, serve people. And those are all really good reasons. But I was noticing this whole category of products that were just created purely because somebody set out and said like, you know, I want that to exist. I'm like, well, is it going to make you money? Not really. It's probably actually going to lose me some money. Okay. Well, is it going to reach a whole ton of people? I mean, some, but not a lot. And so thinking about that, I I just want to talk about and do an episode on what do you do with these kinds of ideas where we don't really serve your business. They don't, they're not going to show, you know, show up in your quarterly numbers or whatever else, but you want to do them because you can. And one that I thought of, this is a, little book that I mentioned on Thursday or Friday last week uh, from Dan Cederholm. And it, it's just this little book. This is going to be the worst that I hold up this up to the, the screen. <laughs> but he's got like uh, little illustrations in there. And like you can tell it was just made by someone who made it because they wanted to. This book will not become a bestseller. It's self-published. It's, you know, but there's like love and attention and care that goes into it. So anyway, that's what I want to talk about today. And uh, Barrett, I was just curious what comes to mind for you is a couple of products that uh, were made with that purpose. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think this is kind of the definition of art. Mm -hmm. Art is what you feel called to make. It's what you feel inspired to make, regardless of whether someone pays attention to it. And that's not always a great way to earn a living, um, but I think it's a very worthwhile way to spend time. Sometimes as a creator, at least my experience has been that I have to get out of that mindset of needing everything to make money in order to get back to like, back to center, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really easy when you're guided by making money from what you're making to get off path from where you intended to be. And going back to what's going to bring me joy, what do I want to exist in the world is a really effective way to say, oh, right, that's why I got into this to begin with. For me, you know, that's why I do projects in my yard and things like that. Like there's nothing coming from that other than spending money. However, the joy of seeing the finished product and what the landscaping is like, I have it, I have a clear picture in my head of what the yard's going to look like afterwards. It's going to be a big Japanese maple and there's going to be like a cascading flow of plants all the way down to the retaining wall, draping over with flowers every spring. And that will bring me joy. It'll bring other people joy. And like, that's just a reason enough to do it, you know? And the same principle applies to work. Um, we've got a, a little list of products here that we'll share that we think people made with that in mind. 
But sometimes just being a creator for creating's sake is everything that we want and need at a given mm-hmm. moment. I mean, that's interesting thinking about like landscaping or something like that. Cause I'm in the same place, right? I've, I've got a whole property that I'm constantly working on landscaping and, and all of that. It's interesting to think about, maybe this is the most, uh, I have to go get my MBA after using this phrase, but like, you know, what's your metric for success on this project? And I think on so many projects, right. I'm sitting down and saying, okay, this product launch will be a success if it sells 5,000 copies. If, you know, we reach people in this way. And I think it's interesting. And maybe that's what I'm talking about now is like, okay, our metrics for success on this type of project, this art that we're creating is that it brings me or someone else joy. And like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. And I like what you're saying about that's what, that's what art is. That's the definition of, of art. And I mean, I think of that, of like you have something inside you that you need to express and to, to get out to the world. So I'd love to hear from everyone tuning in live. If there's a project that either you've done or someone else has done that really represents that for you, that, that you'd share of that purely exists for that reason. Cause actually I think some of the most interesting or impactful projects, maybe even from a business perspective are the ones that were purely made because you wanted it to exist in the world rather than the ones that you sat down like in your lab and were like, Hmm, how am I going to make the most money? today or this year or whatever. So what are, oh, oh, go ahead. Well, I did just the other point that I wanted to make here is I think that this is related to the idea of selling out and selling, selling out is like this emotionally rigged term, but when it's, when someone is accusing someone else of selling out, I think it's when what they're feeling is that a creator of some kind has chosen not to make things that they believe in anymore. Right. That they've purely gone to making things that will make money without any sense of joy or pride in the work or, you know, pride can be a bad thing too, but like pride in quality and that they've just mm-hmm. said, you know, this next album's just to make another hit. And the only, only goal here is to sell as many albums as we can. I think the most, like the best overlap is when you can find things you love making and you can make money from them. And that's the struggle a lot of us are in as creators. But I think you've always got to have that side of you where you're, you're just doing it for the sake of doing it or else you'll lose, you'll sell out eventually, you know? And I think we've seen people do that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, people who sign five book deals with publishers and things like that. And it's like, well, shit, now I got to come up with a book every year. Well, do you have something to say every year? I don't know. So anyways, I just wanted to throw that in there that I think it's, it's like on a spectrum from making things purely for yourself because you want them to exist all the way to Mm -hmm. making things purely for money. And that's the only reason. Yep, exactly. Yeah, Emily Mills just dropped in the chat that uh, she makes a weekly comic just for herself. And uh, she doesn't really tell people about it. So maybe you'll have to go find it yourself. Um, (laughs) But that's interesting, right? Of what are the things that you show up and make just purely because you want to. One that we did, I still don't know that we could justify uh, financially or economically, or I don't know, uh, is craft and commerce, where it's our our conference. I think especially when we started it, there were a lot of conferences. I think that, you know, we had this experience going to the World Domination Summit eight or nine years ago, and it being such a special thing. And there, like, there weren't places like that for uh, you to connect with like-minded creators. And so that really stood out. And then over the years, more people started their own conferences. There was more 
more there. And people were saying like, ah, you guys don't need to create your own conference. Like just go to the other ones. And we decided to do it anyway, not because we thought that the world needed, you know, another conference, but that we felt we had a unique take on it. And like, I kind of wanted to prove something to ourselves. We have all these ideas of like, oh, this would make it better. This, that would make it better. And so I get into this, this mindset of like, okay, I think I could make a fantastic conference. And so part of the reason to make it was to like test that theory. Can we put everything we've learned together and make a fantastic conference? And uh, personally, I think the answer was yes. But like from a business metrics perspective, that time is probably spent better, better places. But from the, it brings me joy and it brings the other attendees joy. Like, I don't know that there's any, any better way to spend that time and money. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, we both love that event now and I think other people do too. And it's kind of a proof positive of why we did it to begin with. Um, <laughs> certainly couldn't claim that it makes us money. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, my next example uh, from this kind of thing, and I'm, I'm assuming intent here just because even when it launched, I, I really could not understand it. Mostly because I'm not a cat person, but the duo at Studio Neat who um, have spoken at Craft and Commerce, a while back, they launched 2015, actually, they launched this. They, so they have a small curated line of products that are all very well-considered, well-thought-out, very well-designed home goods, basically, of different kinds. They have like a, a cocktail ice-making kit and notebooks and material docs and tripod mounts for your smartphone and all of this. Well, in 2015, they decided they were going to launch a thing called Obi, which is a smart laser toy for cats. And the (laughs) only thing I can figure is that that was a thing that was going to make them joy because (laughs) unsurprisingly, it did not reach its funding goal on Kickstarter. But I saw that thing come out and I was like, that's pretty funny. I can't imagine that that's going to be a thing that sells a whole bunch, but they got to make it. And, you know, I bet the the guy who had just gotten a cat, um, the owner who created the thing, I bet he had one, a prototype in his house and he probably uses it still because his cat probably loves it. And he probably gets some amount of joy every time he looks at it, even though they spent a bunch of time on it. So I thought that was a pretty funny example of one of those where it's like, there's, there's no way they actually thought that was going to take off. Right. But maybe they did. So I don't want to assume intent, but for me, right. I'm sure it brings them joy. Yeah. And I've always, I've always been so impressed with them because they would just turn out these projects and they basically got to the point where it's like, okay, money is not a thing that we're worried about, right? They have this small, nimble studio. And so they're able to just turn these things out of like, you know, we can, <laughs> we have something that we want to exist and we'll make it happen. One other fun thing is they have a, a CNC machine, so a computerized router, um, which I have the same one they have, uh, where you can bring an idea to life and take these computer graphics and make it work. And so another one of theirs was they had the little Apple remote and they wanted a stand for it, but not like any old stand. They wanted it made out of walnut with like a perfect cork base on it so it wouldn't you know mess up the, you know? And so they made that as, as a product. And it sold thousands and thousands of copies. And it purely came from this, this mindset of, we just wanted to exist in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I think maybe that's, that's kind of part of their ethos is just making stuff they want to exist and then seeing if other people like it too. Yeah, exactly. Another one um, that stood out to me is uh, James Clear's uh, Clear Habit Journal. He did a partnership with the people over at Baron Fig and just along with Atomic Habits coming out. Uh, he put out this journal and it's just, you can tell it's something that he believes in, wanted to make happen. 
and wanted to make it work well for the audience. And so he put it together. Was that you going to go fetch one? No, this is something else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, so that was one. What do you, what do you got? All right. Uh, my next one is one that we made. This is uh, I am a blogger book. This is a vintage version version that goes back to when we changed the name. Cause it still says the old name on it. Um, keeping that for a good reminder of mistakes not to make in the future. But anyways, this was a, uh, we wanted to make a coffee table book captured stories of our customers and beautiful typography and photography throughout. And so, you know, we've got full page photography and some of the pages. And I think there are, I want to say 16 stories of some of our Mm -hmm. um, customers in here. And every time I look at it, it's just inspiring. It's like a, I like to call it kind of like a love letter to internet creators, you know, online creators. And this was, um, this was back when the business was a little bit limited to mostly bloggers that we had started to Mm. expand a little bit out of outside of that. And now we talk about who we serve as creators of which bloggers are a subset, but this was, I mean, years of work really that finally came out a few years back. And it's just one of those things where like, of course it wasn't going to be a bestseller. We published it right? and we didn't even, doesn't even get sold in bookstores anywhere. Like I think you can only maybe get one from our site. I think so. But it embodied a thing that we believe we should embody as a, a company, which is making customers the heroes of our brand, not ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, which is loosely based on a concept from the hero's journey, which is a storytelling concept. And, um, just showing the emotional arc of what it's like to build a business like this. There's, I'll never forget when we, um, this kind of gets away from making it just for us. We did make it just for us. But when I knew that it was something that was like, so true for the creator journey was we felt at times like no one got how we were trying to make a living early on as creators and bloggers specifically. And we wanted an answer to that question. I always loved the idea of someone being able to get one of these copies and then hand it to someone and say, see, it's legit. Like what Mm -hmm. I do is legit. It's a career. And uh, I was at a conference, I think the everything food conference, I want to say. And this woman walks up to me and she says, oh, y'all make this book? I was like, yeah, we made it. She's like, so who who did that? It's like, oh, well, I mean, I, I did a lot of the interviews and then um, I wrote some of it and then we had a, a really talented writer uh, write it and a bunch of photographers. She said, you wrote this? You're Barrett? It's like, oh God. Uh, <laughs> yes? Question mark. <laughs> What's this getting me into? <laughs> and she says, well, when I read the intro to this book, my son's teacher brought it to me because her husband had ordered two and she thought that I would enjoy it. When I read the intro to this book, it made me realize that it was time for me to quit my job as a lawyer and actually go full-time on my food blog that I really cared a lot about. And her friend's like, keep going, keep going, tell them the rest. And she's like, oh, no, don't worry about it. And her friend's like, no, she quit her job and she is making a full-time living now. And this book helped her get there. And it was one of those things where it was like, I didn't need that for this project to be <laughs> worth it. And just knowing that she, even one person, I have no idea if anyone else even read the thing, but one person did, and it really had an impact on her. It was like, ah, oh, that's cool. That made that even more worth it, even more satisfying. Yeah, and that's the phrase that came to mind as you were saying all of that. One is it's like, I, I think of the downstream effects of all of that, right? Of her having that experience. Well, first her friend buying the book and we had done that where we sold them in pairs so that mm-hmm. you would buy one for you and, and pass one on to someone that you think would have an impact on it or it would have an impact on them. And so then I imagine like you 
her getting that book and having that impact on her and then the model that she's setting for so many other people. And like, you can't put business metrics around that. That's just purely, it's going to spark joy. It's going to spark change. It's going to, you know, all the way uh, downstream from there. And it also made me think of how all of these projects change the way that a brand or a perception happens of a company or an individual. Mm -hmm. Like we have, if I were to think of the guys from Studio Neat, their brand to us is that like they have great design, they're willing to, you know, do whatever it takes to bring a product to life and they make things that they believe in. They just want to exist in the world. And that's a brand. They could spend all kinds of money on advertising and whatever else to try to convince us their brand is something, but instead they just did projects. And I always think of the book, um, what you do is who you are. And now it's basing on who wrote the, what is his name? Think about he wrote the hard thing about hard things. Ben Horowitz. Ben Horowitz. There you go. But uh, what you do is who you are. You know, as you think about that phrase, being the kind of person who brings these projects to life and makes it happen and puts more value in our case on stories and outcomes and all of that than sometimes features and software. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just changes the brand. And that's a bet that we made that, yeah, this is worthwhile. And I've always just loved the idea that, that all a brand is, is the story someone else tells themselves about who you are in their head. Right. And, um, it's not an ad campaign, you know, an ad campaign can capture the brand, right? but, uh, it's not an ad campaign. You can't force people to think anything. It's really, it's kind of like an external reflection of your internal values Mm -hmm. is almost what a brand is. And your actions are the only thing someone else has to judge you by. You know, you and I have talked about this. You have all your intentions internally, but the only thing someone else can judge you by is is how you act. And as an organization, or for you as an individual creator, if people just looked at your actions, they just looked at what you make, they just look at what's public, what's the story they would tell themselves about who you are as a creator? That's your brand. And I do, I agree with you that sometimes these kinds of projects that are just done for the joy of it, that's exactly what it does. It defines the story in someone else's mind, um, which can be a huge benefit to you over the long run, even if you don't make money from that specific thing. Yeah. I just saw in the chat that uh, Kurt Libby mentioned that he had one of those uh, little Apple uh, remote stands and he sold his house and the buyer's wanted that they're like please can we have that stand to go with the house because it goes with the living room and everything so uh it stayed with the house curious kurt if you went and bought another one (laughs) oh man uh there's a bunch more of these ideas you know someone who you've got up on the wall behind you another Mm -hmm. friend of ours sean mccabe uh he's got he does a lot of these posters prints you know all of that taking ideas that he has and putting them in that print form being able to make that and ship it off, I'm sure brings joy. But then I think it also brings a lot of joy. You know, every time he tunes in and clicks on this podcast recording or sees something, he's like, oh, there's my work up on the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember he did one, a hand-lettered project that, uh, that just says hustle. And he had that on t-shirts and things like that. And he sent it to Gary Vaynerchuk's team, a bunch of shirts and stickers. And then later he would see, you know, they would do some show in there. Uh, community or, you know, there'd be some YouTube video that, that Gary had wearing a hustle shirt or it'd show up in a laptop sticker or whatever. And, and for Sean, he's just like, I did that. Yep. That brings me joy. Another one he does make 
things. Well, excuses is, is crossed out in the middle. So make excuses crossed out and make things. I love that too. Um, so he does a lot of those kinds of things. It makes me think of our t-shirts mm-hmm. um, that we give out our, we put our values on t-shirts. It's always kind of annoyed me when I've seen startup people wearing shirts that just say their name. And it's like, yeah. okay, I, like I get that you are forcing your company's name on people and that that means more people will have seen your name before. But have you considered whether anyone actually wants to wear your name around? And the only way people do is if they love your brand so much that it represents, like it becomes a part of their identity. And there's value to that. But we found is by printing our values on shirts. So we have three different shirts, create every day, teach everything you know, and default to generosity. And here's what I love about these is consistently when I wear them in public, and I hear this from everyone else who wears them too, they are conversation starters. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing better for brand building than having someone else get asked, oh, that's a cool shirt. Are you a teacher? Where'd you get that? Mm -hmm. Default to generosity. That's such a great message for right now. And then they get the chance to say, oh yeah. So this is actually from a company called ConvertKit. This is one of their values that they talk about. Creating every day is something that we should all be doing, especially if we want to earn a living from our work or whatever the story is that they tell to the barista or to the person there that's waiting on them at a restaurant or whatever. And now now your name still got out there, but in a much right. meaning, more meaningful way. And we make negative money from those too, you know? <laughs> yes, we do. But the thing is that only immediately, only if I measure it and did I make more than I spent on this t-shirt. But mm-hmm. if you think about the brand impact of those things collectively, like people clamor for them every time we go to a conference because they've seen them around and they want one. Right. Which just made me think I was just looking at this book. Number one in his list of 20 things, this is the guy who started the design community dribble. Number one is start with the t-shirt because he's talking about getting that community and getting the ethos out there. Like what, what is that? Letting people die into it or uh, buy into it. Also Corey McCabe, Sean's brother is here in the chat. Um, Corey is a filmmaker and Corey, you should drop some of your stuff into the chat because I have to believe there are a lot of things, you know, films, things like that, that you've made purely because you want them to exist in the world. Um, I've got one more example and then we can, uh, and then we can call it this thing. I'll always love this thing. I need to actually like create a screen capture of it. So I never lose it. We did this twice at my last company fizzle. Um, I had this idea where I wanted to celebrate all of our customers and we made this dedicated page, Chase Reeves, who's a, a really talented designer. This was still when he was kind of into designing things and, and not growing a massive YouTube following, but we made this whole site celebrating what our customers had done that year, how many had made money, how many came up with a business idea. This is at fizzle.co slash 2015 dash review. If you want to check it out and you're listening, I'm just scrolling through it for the people that are on live. How many people quit their day jobs? How many people hired someone? How many made websites? Uh, And it just goes on and on of all the things that happened. And he's got like an image gallery of images that people uploaded to the forums with quotes and things like that how many countries they live in, how many pod... Damn, we had 713,000 <laughs> podcast downloads that year. That's pretty wild. It's a lot. Um, yeah. Anyways, it's just like one of those fun... Th- and he's got a scrolling thing. A sc- <laughs> oh, man. A scrolling thing of listener comments about their favorite moments from the podcast uh, embedded within the site. So anyways, 
Um, that was one of my favorite things that we ever made. And it had absolutely no purpose other than to celebrate our customers and just enjoy it ourselves. Yep. That's good. Well, uh, I think the message on that is think about why you're creating something. Yep. Make sure that, that, uh, brings you joy, makes you proud and, uh, create based on that. I think it's time for a transition. (laughs) Creator of the day. I need one of those like little soundboards that they have for radio shows or whatever. So I can play sound like if Uh you're, you know, when you're out, so I can just Right. Do that. And you can't replicate it, but you could at least have a soundboard. I realized as I was doing that, by the way, that I actually shake my butt as I'm making it. <laughs> and I did not realize that until just now. Like I dance to the rhythm I make. <laughs> oh man, that's something special. Okay. The creator that I want to showcase today, this is actually going to not make Barrett happy because he uh, does not like small planes. Um, but this is uh, a guy named Trent Palmer. Uh, he's a YouTube creator. He flies little Kit Fox planes. He lives in Northern Nevada. So it's fun. Sometimes he flies up to Boise and all that, but he's a filmmaker. He shoots a lot of dro- uh, drone footage for work. Does a bunch of cool stuff. Has a lot of videos on the house that he and his wife built. And anyway, just great YouTube content. Check him out. Trent Palmer. Be safe out there, Trent. Be safe out there. I've, I've officially tried to outlaw Nathan from flying in small planes and yet he keeps doing it. <sighs> what are you going to do? Anyways, my creator of the day is a sometime live stream listener named Brad Dowdy. He runs the Pen Addict, uh, penaddict.com. And I've talked about him a little bit before, but I mean, this has got to be one of the best niches on all of the internet. He reviews writing utensils, and some of them are just absolutely gorgeous, like this one we're looking at on the feed right now. People send him pens from all over the world. Like he is the premier or one of the premier pen reviews, P-E-N, pen review sites in the entire world. And um, I just, I don't know. I love the focus. If you love writing in notebooks, he is the person to go to and figure out what pen you might enjoy most. I would just warn you that if you start paying attention to him, (laughs) you might end up with an entire collection of decently expensive pens. Oh, that's good. Well, on the resource of the day, I'm going to go with one really simple that we spent a bunch of time with uh, this weekend. It's just the card game um, Monopoly deal. It's really simple. takes like 20 minutes to play. And uh, my kids can play it. They're seven and five, eight, eight and five. They're eight and five. And they can play it. We can all play it together. Uh, It can be like two to four people. It's really fun. I check it out as you're stuck at home. Most of my tips are for when you're stuck at home. (laughs) So especially stuck at home with kids. Uh, but you know, it's like a $10 card game and and it's worth it. Well, you all will be uh, not at all surprised to hear that one of the resources of the day is a book (laughs) because we both love reading. Uh, and I've been just wandering around my office, this whole show, grabbing stuff to show you all on the live feed. So that's one advantage you get as a, you know, tour of things in my office. Anyways, uh, the responsible company by Yvonne Chouinard, the founder of Patagonia, He's written a few different books about just kind of like lessons and leadership and running companies. He's always said he doesn't think of himself as a business person. He thinks of himself as an outdoors person and a conservationist, an environmentalist who happens to have founded a company. If you've never read about the story of Patagonia, it's fantastic. They basically just started by making metal climbing gear and it grew into this worldwide phenomenon. But what's much more inspiring is the way they operate and some of the decisions they made along the way. And by reading this book, you'll learn a little bit about that. But I think you'll also learn, more importantly, 
how to apply responsible thinking to your own business. Um, and I'd say look out for the story about when they went 100% organic cotton and how <laughs> much of a controversial decision that was at the time and now how much of a part of their brand it's become. Yeah, that's good. I really enjoyed his book, Let My People Go Surfing. Just gets you to think about the type of company you're building, why you're creating what you're creating, and probably more specifically, what change you're going to create in the world through whatever it is that you're doing. Well, as we wrap up for the day, kind of the closing thought is once money is taken care of, right? You're not worried about paying rent to the day-to-day needs. What do you want to create? What's that thing that you always dreamed of that you said, oh, it'd be so cool to be able to make something like this, but way higher quality. Or if I could have anything that I wanted, it would be this thing. It's been in my head forever and I just want to bring it to life. And just say, even if it's not going to make money or be an epic thing for your business or whatever else, like give yourself permission to pursue that. Try to make it happen. And a lot of cool things can come from it. There you go. See you tomorrow. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time. Oh,